welcome to the Self Project Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Martin. I'm a transformation and human design guide who is passionate about guiding women to be the most authentic versions of themselves. This podcast is all about self-discovery, self-empowerment, wellness, healing, parenting, mental health, spirituality, you name it, we're going to talk about it. This podcast and this space is all about helping you along on your own self-project journey. So welcome. Let's sit back and we'll dive right in today. Welcome back to the show today and We have a bit of an unconventional episode for you this time. I spoke with Donna Goldman and she shared more about how she came to find her uh, company, Recipes for Survival, and how she uses everything that she makes in a mindful and sustainable way. So I hope that you enjoy more of our episode today. So... I have always been an independent, um, like an entrepreneur before people would even use the word. Like one of my friends said to me, and I'm old, okay? I'm old. So um, I've always been doing independent projects. I went to art school um, and I wasn't even a good artist when I was in school. Not the way I've developed it. I would say it's definitely come in time. I just went to art school because I couldn't do math. And um, But then I was in the music industry for years and years. Um, production as an assistant to a production manager. And that was like the heyday. But um, when that all, but I've always cooked for myself. I'm recognized as a health supportive private chef. And I'm, I am an intuitive especially with cooking and food and ingredients. And um, so I've always done that, but I've always had other projects on the side. And one of my friends, because I was designing charms for a little while, and he was like, you're an entrepreneur. I thought I was going to do this teacup charm project because recipes for survival is so like boots on the ground. It has been with me for so long. I really wanted to do something new and elevated. And when I would do interviews with people, they're like, you you can't not do recipes for survival. That's who you are. You know, that's who you are. So I have done everything in my power to elevate recipes for survival. So now it's called mindful meals and sustainable living, but it's my thing. It's, it is, it just needed to come out. It's not, you know, people like everybody's using sustainable now. Hello, I've been using sustainable and everything about being mindful about eating and groceries for as long as I can remember sustainable and mindful. So I kind of want to focus, you know, on that. So you talked about being a health supportive or more of an intuitive chef. What does that look like? So I'm really great, like following a recipe, but I'm not great. Like, would you say intuitive is more like you're able to put it together without? Yeah. And this is funny, Kristen, because it's total sixth sense 
like I remember friends of mine had a baby that didn't feel good all the time and stuff. And I was like, we got to make this baby um, apricot puree. I have no idea where it came from, but I was like, I went out and got them the best apricots it was, boiled it, you know, pureed it. And that's what we got into that baby. I, you know, at least it was something. It was just like an intuitive thing. Well, now what I'm trying to do an offer that I really want to offer now is to talk to people and come up with a signature dish. What's their, like, where they live, what they, of course, what they like. And through conversation to figure out a signature dish, whether it's a dinner, three meal, you know, an appetizer, a main course and a dessert, fine. Otherwise, I would love to do basic staples for people because it's not the same for everybody. But there are basic staples that if you keep and know what they are, makes your life completely different because you're not going to the grocery store as a pain in the ass thing to do. Right. It's something you enjoy doing. And you're not just pulling at things. You become mindful. Oh, you know what? Asparagus would be really good this week. You buy a bunch of asparagus, you'll have them all week. I don't care if you have a family of four. You're still going to be able You use things a certain way that I just cooked. A friend of mine had a party for 40 people. I cooked a certain way. Believe me, 40 people ate and there was still leftover ingredients. You know, the excess of how people write recipes nowadays is insane. I agree with you. Like the excess of food, you mean like the amount of serving? Uh-huh. Yeah, I kind of noticed that. I order um, HelloFresh was something that I started doing to kind of help me with my cooking. And I noticed that the serving, what they consider a serving size, I'm like, that's like two meals for me. <laughs> really? That's interesting because I used to do Blue Apron for one of my families. Those are serious recipes. But a lot of people can't. The Blue Apron is a really little persnickety thing. I thought that their portions were quite, I thought they were substantial for sure. Not like you're saying about the HelloFresh. And I haven't done that, so I don't know. But um, I mean, I could be 100% wrong, but I just find people get so into excess and that they don't think about, and I granted, I am by myself. I am single. I take care of a dog. My my most beautiful special needs body. Yes. Well, you talked about some basic staples. So like what, what are, what are some of the basic staples that you would, you know, I would say, well, you always have to have a good olive oil and salt and pepper. Now I make a, what I call uh, salt of the earth. Like I make a blend for every full moon. I try to, I mean, but I keep a constantly, um, I always have a blended, like um, a seasoned salt. I make it. I'll tell anybody how to do it. It's nice. But you have to have good salt, pepper, and olive oil. That's how you start. It's all really basic. And the other thing is, is knife skills. Really simple. And the minute, and it's so funny because when I start, when I did go to cooking school. I went to Natural Gourmet for food and healing. And I grew up in a diabetic home. So I've always been cooking. My father was in the food industry. I decided I didn't want to eat like that. I did not want to eat meat every day. I couldn't stand it. I couldn't stand the cleanup. So I um, started cooking for myself. 
I stopped eating meat and started cooking for myself as a kid. And I made cook for my brother and sister and the kids in the neighborhood whenever we wanted. And then through college and then the big aha moment came was after being on a tour when I, or one of my first aha moments when I had been on a tour and then I went and stayed at a friend's place in Oakland. And that morning I woke up and all I had, I had the most beautiful cup of tea and toast, toast and a cup of tea with some spun honey on it, you know? And I kept saying, and that's when it hit me. It's like the whole transfer of energy when you cook for yourself or please God for friends, it's completely different than when you're constantly catered to. I mean, I could have eaten anything I wanted, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, 24-7. No matter what I ate, I never felt satiated. Then I come home, I have a cup of tea and two pieces of toast and felt completely different. And then I could have had toast and tea on the road, on doing what I was doing. You don't even think of it. Because you don't have that kind of time also, you know. It's also, there is a lot, I'm extremely lucky that I have time that I can live like this. I can't, I, my, this is how my life became. It's nothing luxurious. There's no luxurious. But it's about priorities too, I think. What's important to you, you know? Well, it's luxurious that, you know, it's a luxury to have the kind of time that I do. And I try really hard. I try. It's not like I don't try to get jobs. You know, it's hard. Like I had three clients I was cooking for before the pandemic, three families. Everything was fine. You know, I wasn't living on the hog, but it was okay. And that all went away. So you do private cooking. Do you also do catering then, right? Well, the catering is hard because I don't have a car. I don't, you know, um, and then the most recent client that I did cook for, I did everything in my apartment and brought it to them. So I have, you know, I can do, I can do that. Uh, and then I just catered a music video for like 14 people. But I had a lot of help. Like I had a van that helped me bring the stuff. I had a van that helped bring all the bowls and all the that stuff. But I cooked for two days. You know, it was amazing food. And I was in a home that I could shake things out. You know, it wasn't like a real caterer that they have the tables. You know, a lot of it was set up for me. But um I can cook like that. And I also, play, at times, if I'm very fortunate, get to cook on boats. That's hard because it's all about having your provisions totally together. If I, when I didn't have English muffins for a billionaire, that cost me a shitload uh, having to take a car in a pouring rainstorm to get English muffins because I forgot. But it was a horrible trip just from the very beginning was a horrible scenario what I was going through. But you get you you get you begin to learn. It takes a it's a lot. That's a lot. So um and my friends helped me. You know, my friends helped me. 
you know, they know I'm always looking. So they try to get me things. And um, now my, uh, my mission is all about my sustainable cookie that I'm making this sustainable cookie because I can't stand anything to do to alleviate food packaging waste. You're very passionate about it. My friends are really concerned. <laughs> so tell me about then uh, recipes for survival. How did that end up kind of coming about? And like, what is it exactly? Well, what happened was when I had finished this tour, um, I got this, I, this thing. I've always wanted to make documentary films. I always wanted to make documentaries. I was doing sound projects and compilations and always want, I always wanted to make documentaries before you could use the D word. And then when the music industry um, unraveled for myself and the man I worked with um, and the industry was changing, I thought I'd get a job at the Food Network as a producer. That's what I do. I'm a production person. I, and I was like, and I cook. That'll be great. So um, 60 resumes later, never, not, I, I honestly must have sent at least 60 resumes. Um, and then I was in an art collective at the, around the same time. And one of my friends invited us over because he had a show on the Manhattan Public Access sock puppets and he played music and sock puppets on television and there were like five of us sitting in his little east village apartment and i was like well that's crazy i should do a cooking show i you know and then i'll hone my skills and i'll have a then i'll do a i'll have a cooking show and that's how recipes for survival started the name just came to me um because it was recipes for survival, utilitarian cooking, and much more. No more than $4 for ingredients. Maintaining basic staples. And, you know, a friend came over and he had a light and put a light up here. And I had a camera that I got from the witness program from Peter Gabriel's Amnesty International. Um, I got the show on... I went and filled out this application and I got this show on public access. And in about a month's time, people started recognizing me. I had no idea. I didn't, except for like three friends knew I was what I was doing. And then it was on, it maintained um, like a prime time slot for over two years. That's crazy. So are you still doing that? No, not at all. I haven't done it in years, but I have boxes, you know, like a box of all the videotape. I must have done at least 80 episodes then. And I always wrote. I was always writing. The whole thing started with, well, I don't know. It's hard to say which came first, but also at the same time, a friend of mine hired me to stuff envelopes. And the other person was an, an actor. And he said to me, you have to read this book called Writing Down the Bones. Natalie Goldberg, Writing Down the Bones. And that's how I started. That's what got me off the couch, was I started writing and making these little videos, the cooking videos. And, you know, I had a cookbook. No one, I didn't know how to put it together. No one, 
none of none of that kind of stuff ever came about. It was the timing was always off. When I was starving and doing recipes for survival, it was the dot-com boom. So my friends are like, I don't think you've been reading Rolling Stone. Because I'm like, we should have an article. We should have a column for men in Rolling Stone magazine. My friends are like, D, we're selling Breitling watches and private jets, okay? No one's looking for recipes for survival. So their time was wrong. And now I think it's timely. There are... 100,000 people that are now a cook. Everybody's a cook. Everybody can give lessons on Zoom. And I just have faith in my tribe and what I'm doing. And I continue doing it. Mm, I love that. So you take all your old videos and put them on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, those are pro. And it's funny because I every week I'm like, I should talk to Sal about licensing old my old videos or something. Um, but they're all in some, you know, like high eight, and I don't even know where to have them edited anymore. You know, they're in some high eight cassette that came out of a thing. I don't even know, but they're there. Um, that's not the job I'm going to take on right now. No. Do you have, so do you have cookbooks and things like that now that you offer? I um, put out my, like a memoir that I did on Audible four years ago. I did that. Um, and it's good. You know, people like it. I, I think I've sold, I don't even want to say, it doesn't matter. Not a lot at all, but it's done. It's out there. It's on Kindle. It's 13 chapters. It's about three hours listening. And it's nice because it starts with the story I began of, being on tour and then it wraps it comes together and each chapter um finishes with a recipe that's significant to that chapter in my life um or close enough and i love that project and i feel i like it i'm glad i did it and again that was done way before people were doing audible memoirs you know um and everybody's writing a memoir now but um the sustainable cookie is really what's the wave under me right now that's my passion when i wake up I, and it's not even a passion it's really a mission there's a difference i just heard this incredible podcast by a guy named dr d martini or something and this subject alone was passion versus mission. And I've been getting his emails. I, I'm going to share this with you at some point. Um, I've been getting his emails for six months. I haven't opened one of them. I saw that subject line and I did, and it was mind boggling. Like, and also I keep, two hours at least in the morning for myself to do my morning rituals, whatever they may be that day. Nothing is ever the same. I do not do, I mean, short of brushing my teeth, I can't do routine. I cannot. Another, I mean, that's also a curse. You know, it is. Um, but this sustain, this cookie thing, that's got some legs to stand on, I believe, right now. 
and I package them when I send them to my friends, they go in tin cans, in paint cans, or if they're in Manhattan in a paper to go container, like an old Chinese paper to go container and I leave it for them. So there isn't any waste, even for the ingredients that I use, the packaging doesn't have waste. Oh, how cool. I'm saying even the ingredients, the bag of flour, the bag of sugar, the bottle of cinnamon, the tin of baking soda, anything I use, I try to not have even packaging waste with the ingredients source. Of course, all organic. And then that's a really fun story that's just coming out that I just wrote that I want to read. But, um, you know, how that came to be. And then... You know, I wrote, I've got this sustainable cookie. I'm, and then I named it the sustainable cookie. I'm trademarking that name. Um, my friends are like, well, we want, we'll, we'll take the cookies. We want the cookies. And I'm like, no problem. I'll, you know, I'll just put them in a tin. I'll send them to you. Because one is in London, one's in Philly, and one's in LA. And I'm like, no problem. I'll just get, you'll get a tin of cookies. And they're delicious when you get them. That's why they're, and they don't, I mean, of course, I started this in the wintertime where there were hurricanes. The mail service was horrific. You don't even know. Like friends of mine, and they paid a ridiculous amount of money for cookies, okay? Um, it's not really. They, whoever wants them, they're going to. It, like they, like Kathy says, there's a price for anybody. They don't want to do what they can to help me do it. And they believe in it too. Um, but, you know, only one friend said the package came as though somebody had already opened it up. <laughs> so that it just was like a total mess, everything. You got the tea, the tea infuser, the cookies. She was like, just give me the whole thing. And then it took three weeks to get to her in Minnesota somewhere and another friend in Kentucky because, like, the cookies were good. But they're an oil-cured olive cookie. So it's not a chocolate chip. It's not a lot of sugar. I adapted a heritage recipe. And, you know, like the little card says, I never met a cookie I didn't like, but I love this cookie. So you have a kit too. So do you send out a kit so people can make their own? Yep. With the finishing salt, the finishing salt on top, you know, like a little finishing salt, which is sugar and salt. So that's a new mixture that I came up with. And the thing is, because you want to, I use my hands because I don't have the big mixer. Or, I mean, I have a hand mixer, but I like to use my hands because there's a couple secret little steps and then you get a video also how to make it but I have these um, cotton like hand art handler gloves which I, I put a little this is my little teacup but like no one's gonna want a teacup on their glove tape but sometimes they they wash perfectly otherwise not really just throw away, but I keep using them over and over again. They're very tiny. What I have, so I have. That's why they're on pre-order because I have to get larger sizes for people. But this is so much better than a rubber glove. I cannot tell you for anything in the kitchen, even washing dishes. 
It's awesome. It's a it's a art handler glove. So now anybody can go get them themselves. But there you go. <laughs> no, and then and that's why one of my friends was like, "Why would anybody want to wear gloves if they're cooking in their own home?" I'm like, because one of the steps, the very first step, is you um, do orange zest with sugar, and you blush it. You, so you really get your hands in it. Now, one of my friends, she's a chef on both. She was like, I didn't do anything. I just did it with my hand, with a mixer or something. She said, um, the oil and the egg, everything I do by hand, forming it, everything. And it's nice to have a glove. I love that. So if somebody wanted to come find you online and order your cookies, your kit, check out your website. Where are they? Everything is recipes, the number four, survival.com. Awesome. I'll have that linked up in show notes. So you will be able to scroll down and connect straight with D. Um, do you also offer different, I see you have different recipes and things like that on your website as well for people to go try out. Is that? Well, I think maybe what you're looking at, and as we mentioned earlier, when we first started writing and communicating was my website's in a little bit of a Rubik's cube right now. And re put together so um i think the best thing is to look at the different lessons that i offer um and the signature dish i think is really was gonna be i any of them any of them any of the lessons i'm telling you i i taught you might not make macaroni and cheese said it was the best time and also there's a part of what I offer and what comes out that people find to be very empowering because there's a lot shared in that amount of time. You know, when you're teaching somebody to do something and you start with very basic knife skills, picking ingredients. So there's, yeah, you can do it in 60 minutes. There can be a 60 minute lesson. Um, but before that, there's also, you know, time spent with the person to get them up to speed that they feel comfortable. You know, I send an email, we talk in advance. Um, and I love doing basic staple shopping and how to shop. Awesome. Well, I'm going to make sure we have everything linked up in show notes because I think I've been cruising around on your website and there's some really awesome things here. You can go check out the different lessons that Donna has. She has a whole blog that's um, got some really great stuff in it and the audiobook is on there as well. So um, definitely go check that out. Go. I love the audiobook. There's a chapter in there that talks about clam chowder and I'm like, I love clam chowder. <laughs> That's a signature dish. I would love for you. It, it would be my treat for doing this. I'll give you, you get a private clam chowder lesson. Awesome. So Donna, I just have to thank you. I hope I, I wish you had, you know, like ask me any questions might be better, but <laughs> I, I hope it's not too well. I feel like this has been awesome because we've been able to, I feel like talk about so many different things. That's just the way that I like it to go. There's so much like little tidbits in there talking about, you know, the different staples and some of the different brands you've given us. So I'm just like, this has been awesome. This has been really great. Yeah. 
what a total treat for me. Thank you for listening to the Self Project Podcast. Make sure that you scroll down and you check out the show notes so you can connect with our awesome guests from today. And also come over and follow me on Instagram at underscore Christy Martin to see more of what I've got going on. Make sure that you've subscribed to the show so that you can get regular updates and I will see you next time.